TII item 338, February 17th, 2015, iOS 8.3 beta 1, and the Apple Car. Welcome to Today in iPhone. Yeah, I like it a lot. Today in iPhone. Hey, Gullah! Oh, yeah. My beautiful iPhone, which I never have out of my hand and that I do everything with and has become an extension of who I am. This episode of Today in iOS is brought to you by Harry's.com, where you can use promo code TII to save $5 off your first order. Welcome to the show. I'm your host, Rob, and this is the Today in iOS podcast. First up, I want to thank Jeff for sending in the music here in the background. Jeff wrote, Hi, Rob. I made this song called Sidecar with my iPhone 4S using the GarageBand app. For free downloads and more music, follow me at JeffJ6 on Twitter. Regards, JeffJ. Well, thanks, Jeff, for the music. And folks, I will put the full song at the end of this episode. I also want to thank Pat for sending in the artwork for today's show. Pat wrote, Hi, Rob. Attached is an artwork submission. It is a pep watch face with the TII branding. The pic was, of course, taken with an iPhone 5S with no filters. I am also attaching the .pbw file in case you or any of your listeners want to add a custom face to their Pebble watch. Regards, Pat and Austin. Well, Pat, thanks again for sending in this artwork. And folks, you can see Pat's artwork in the free TI app via the bonus button for episode 338. Or if you subscribe via iTunes on your computer as the album artwork and also as a standalone post in the VIP section and at facebook.com slash todayinios. And if you want this watch face for your Pebble watch, email me at todayinios at gmail.com and I will send it to you along with instructions on how to get it onto your Pebble watch. Okay, well actually I'll send you the link to it, which you then click on in your email on your iPhone. And then in Safari on your iPhone, you get the option to open in Pebble, select that, and then choose to install. It's easy peasy. Again, email uh, email me and put TII in the watch face in the subject line, and I will send you the link and instructions for those that already know how to do this. Just look for the link in the show notes for episode 338. Thanks, Pat, for creating this watch face for the show. And folks, if you have some artwork and or music that you have created on your iOS device that you would like to share with the audience, please email to me at todayinios at gmail.com. And please make sure to include which app or apps you use to create said artwork and or music. In this segment of How Wrong Were They, we have the following quote. Quote, Apple could be negatively impacted by slower growth in iPhone sales. In my opinion, the company cannot grow indefinitely in the smartphone market area, and one day it will materialize in its share price." Unquote. Gillian Moyon, Seeking Alpha, 15th November, 2013. Why is it all so often writers at Seeking Alpha really seem to just be seeking intelligence? Wait a second. Did I not just say that on the last episode? Hmm. It's almost as if Seeking Alpha is just a big link bait farm. Just saying. For promo codes on episode 337, we offered up chances to win promo codes for the apps Boob-Tube and Versatimer. We'll be giving those out later this week. For more info on those apps, go back and listen to the beginning of episode 337. This week, we have promo codes for a couple of apps. The first one is the app Pitchman. One word. Here is the review from the dev. Pitchman app puts a radar gun in your pocket. Using Pitchman, baseball and softball fans can measure the velocity of a pitch at a moment's notice. To measure pitch speed, simply record a slow-mo video of the pitch. Then, interactively, set the mound distance, catch frame, and release frame. Pitchman then reports the peak and average pitch speed. Pitchman also lets you replay the pitch. You can export a video of the pitch, including reported speed, to share with friends and family, coaches, and teammates. Baseball and softball season are coming up soon. Be ready to measure pitch velocity anytime, anywhere with Pitchman. Available at the App Store. Thanks to the dev for his review of his app, Pitchman, and for sending in the promo codes to give away. Folks, if you would like a chance for a promo code for this app, send an email to todayinios at gmail.com and put Pitchman, one word, in the subject line. The second item we have promo codes for is the app Pocket Yoga, two words. Here is the review from the dev. 
Hi Rob, my name is Sergio and I'm the developer of Pocket Yoga. Pocket Yoga is an app that allows you to practice yoga at home or wherever you are. Simply set your device in front of your mat, start a practice and Pocket Yoga will guide you through your entire session. In short, the app mimics the experience of being at a yoga studio. It gives you audio instruction as you transition from pose to pose. It shows you an illustrated avatar depicting the pose that you should be doing and it plays soothing music in the background. You can also choose to play music from your iTunes library instead of the music that comes built in with the app. When you start a practice, you can select between different difficulty levels and different class durations. So there's something for everyone, from the very beginner to the very advanced yogi. Pocket Yoga is your yoga teacher everywhere you go. I hope your listeners like the app. I'm a long-time listener myself, and I love your show. Thank you, Rob. Sergio, thanks for sending in the review of your app, Pocket Yoga, and for sending in the promo codes to give away. Folks, if you would like a chance for a promo code for the app, Pocket Yoga, send an email to todayinios at gmail.com and put yoga in the subject line. As always, just send in one email for one specific app. If you send in multiple emails or ask for multiple apps in a single email, then, well, no soup for you. A quick reminder, if you're an app dev or an iBook author, Email me if you want your app or iBook featured in the promo giveaway segment. We just need the five promo codes or more to give away. Simply email me at todayinios at gmail.com and please include a 60-second or less audio review of your app or iBook indicating you are the dev or author. Also, when you send in the promo codes, please make sure to let me know when they expire. And I should also point this out. If English is a second language for you and you don't feel comfortable sending in an audio review of your app, you can go always send in a written review, and I'll read that on the show. And a quick email I do want to read here, and this is from Pat, who sent in the artwork for today's show, which is the cool Today in iOS watch face for my Pebble, which I am now sporting. He wrote, Hi Rob, I developed this Pebble watch face for the vision impaired. They might find it useful. Of course, it's free. It's called Braille. And for more info, go to whiskeytangohotel.com slash Braille for info or search Braille in the Pebble App Store, regards Pat. And thanks, Pat, again. And folks, please check out Pat's site, whiskeytangohotel.com. Link in the show notes for that, of course. And then, of course, link in the show notes for the Today in iOS watch face that Pat sent over that's part of today's artwork. So you, if you know what you're doing, you can just go right to the show notes for today's episode, click on that, and it'll ask you to open, it up, open in Pebble, and you should be able to do that. You should be able to do that right from inside the TII app, I'm guessing, or in the show notes uh, in the podcast app as well. And now into the news. And Apple did something a little unexpected. They released iOS 8.3 Beta 1 last week. So yes, iOS 8.2 is still in beta status. And they released a beta for 8.3. That is the first time Apple has ever done something like that, at least on the iOS side. Not sure to make of this, but 8.2, I still believe, does not come out of beta until right before the Apple Watch launches, which right now, if I had to pick a date, it would be April 24th, which means 8.2 would be available for download on April 22nd. That, now when when I say that, seems like an awfully long time to have two different betas, one for 8.2 and one for 8.3, out at the same time. Kind of confusing. That all said... Hey, the beta for 8.3 is out. As usual, the devs have loose lips. Here are some of the new features we are hearing about. The two biggest ones noted are, one, wireless CarPlay, which means that users will no longer need to connect via USB to their dashboard to bring iOS-like experiences to their dashboard. Now they can do it when the iPhone is still in your pocket or purse, which is nice as it means you are less likely to leave said iPhone in your car so no longer having to have it physically tethered to your car. The second big feature is easier Google two-step verification or two-factor authentication, authorization, depending on who you're reading about this from. Either way, this is for those that prefer Gmail and Google calendars and want to use the two-factor verification. Additional new features with 8.3 include a new emoji layout. So with 8.3, all emojis will be on a single scrollable page. Uh, One big bit of news for those in China is 8.3 brings support for Apple Pay in China via UnionPay. 
And there is a minor tweak to Passbook, which has categories for credit cards and debit cards into a section called Apple Pay. And then there is a section called Passes. Kind of broke that up a little. The beta label was removed from iCloud Photo Library, which of course means it will now be rock solid and no one will ever have a bug with it ever again, right? Also, it is reported that 8.3 beta includes many bug fixes and improvements for iCloud Drive and CloudKit. Nothing really earth-shattering with all these features, but if you were one using CarPlay, the wireless feature is a very, very nice addition, and not having to tether physically is nice. Per what this all means for iOS 8.2 and when it launches, who knows? Maybe Apple will release 8.2 in March after all, as earlier rumors were speculating. And then just get around to launching the Apple Watch once, well, they get around to getting their supply chain all set up which again, according to Tim Cook, will be in April sometime for U.S. customers. No idea when it's going to be for international customers. Thanks to Michael and others for this next one, which goes back to something I said this past September, and then, well, the September before that, and the one before that. Don't buy 16 gigabyte version iOS devices. Get at least the 64 gig versions in storage, and really, for new devices, best to get 128 gig in storage. What is the news that makes me say that again? Well, it is Apple has upped the max size an app can be from 2 gig to 4 gig. Yes, one app, 4 gig in size. Thanks if you're sitting there with a 16 gig device, which really only has around 12 gig of storage space for apps and photos and more. From Apple, quote, the size limit of an app package submitted through iTunes Connect has increased from 2 gig to 4 gig. So you can include more media in your submission and provide a more complete, rich user experience upon installation. Please keep in mind that this challenge does not affect the cellular network delivery size limit of 100 megabytes, unquote. And oh, if you think Apple is making this change so as to encourage app devs to make bigger apps so that users need to spend more money for larger storage iOS devices, well then... Yes, you have been paying attention, because that is exactly what they're doing. Although Apple would say, this is so devs can put in more higher-res images that are optimized for the many different iOS devices, from the iPhone 4S on the smallest side to the iPad Air 2 on the bigger side, such uh, that, you know, apps look great regardless of the device that it's on, and don't be cheap and get the 128 gig storage. Yep, that's what Apple would tell you. And folks, think about this. Someday in the future on the show, I'll be talking about how Apple upped the max size for a app from 4 gig to 8 gig. Just saying. Speaking of Apple, Apple has now added two-step verification to both iMessage and FaceTime. Now when you set up a new iOS device to use iMessage and or FaceTime, you will also have to enter a verification code in iCloud. Thus, Apple knows you are who you say you are and not someone else claiming to be you, but it's actually you. The real thing to take away from all this is if you plan on setting up another or new iOS device for iMessage and or FaceTime, make sure you have your main device handy as you're going to need it to get the code to enter. While it is one more step you need to take, it is just one time and when you're setting up the device and then after that, all should be kosher. Into the email bag. Hi, Rob. Thanks for the recommendation of harrys.com and for the promo code. I just received my shave kit yesterday, and I already love it. It gives me a closer, quicker shave than my old Gillette, and the blades are less than half the cost. The shave gel is also awesome. No more chemically feel on my face. Thanks to you and your wonderful podcast. Harry's has a new customer. As always, I'm looking forward to the next episode of TII. Regards, Ken in Lewisburg, North Carolina. And from the Google Plus community from John Clark on January 20th, quote, received my Truman set from Harry's. Their blades beat the competition hands down and the foaming shave gel is incredible. Thanks for the feedback, Ken. And thanks to John for the post in the Google Plus community. And I want to thank Harry's for sponsoring this episode. If you go to harrys.com, that's H-A-R-R-Y-S.com and use the promo code T-I-I, you'll save $5 on your first order. No more overpaying for razor blades or waiting in line to get them. Purchase them online at half the price of other blades. Win and win. 
That's right. Save money and get the razor blades delivered right to your door with free shipping. The starter kit, the Truman set, is amazing. For $15, you get a razor, foaming shave gel, and three razor blades. All in a great package that screams, Gift me, gift me. Even if the gift is just to yourself. The new foaming shave gel is incredible and made from natural ingredients, which include licorice root extract plus a blend of cucumber and aloe. It really is nice to shave with something that is not made from industrial chemicals. Okay, but really where the rubber meets the road is how the blades work when they meet your beard or your head or other hyperfolic areas of your body. And here is where Harry's really shines. Their blades are incredibly sharp and give me the best shave I've ever had. I am 100% a Harry's customer now, and the blades come from a 90-year-old German factory that Harry's likes so much they purchased the factory. And that is how they can get you a better shave than the best premium blades out there at less than half the price. And Harry's has a good social mission where 1% of the sales and at least 1% of their time is donated to organizations to help prep people for personal and professional success. With harrys.com, you get a shave that feels really good from a company you can feel really good about. Once again, go to harrys.com now and save $5 off when you enter the promo code TII with your first purchase. That is H-A-R-R-Y-S.com and enter promo code or coupon code TII at checkout to save $5 on your first purchase and start shaving better today, or at least as soon as your new shave kit arrives at your doorstep. Hey, Rob. This is Andy. This replying to a caller on your last show, 337, where they, uh, the caller could not connect his iPad mini to his MacBook Air. I had the exact same issue. The issue is a voltage problem from the USB ports on the MacBook Air. To alleviate this problem, Apple sells a shorter lightning connector, a lightning cable. It's about maybe four inches long. I purchased that, and I had no problems after that. Uh, if I go to a longer lightning cable and connect it to my MacBook Air and my iPad mini, I would have the exact same problem as the caller was stating. So if I keep the cable short, it seems to work fine. So it definitely has a voltage issue with the USB ports on the MacBook Air, which causes the iPad from connecting, charging, or syncing. Okay, hope that helps. Love your show. Andy, thanks for the feedback. And into the email bag, we've got a couple other responses. Hi, Rob. This is a response to a gentleman in episode 337 who had connection issues between iPad mini and the MacBook Air. Had a similar issue, including with connecting to my iPhone with a lightning to USB cable to my MacBook. I simply replaced the cable and it solved the problem. I know this may seem like an obvious troubleshoot, but you didn't mention attempting this in your message, so I thought I'd throw it out there. Apple will replace the cable for free if yours is still under warranty. Regards, Andrew. Hi, Rob. My old iPad 2 recently started having flaky connections to my Mac, similar to Mike from San Jose. For me, it was because my 35-pin connector to the iPad was not seated, or 30-pin connector to my iPad was not seated correctly due to the iPad cover getting in the way. Wiggling the connector so that it plugged in properly fixed the problem for me. This is clearly a hardware issue. If Mike is sure that the connection is solid, he should check the connector ends for corrosion or try another connector. Then take the entire configuration laptop cable and iPad to the Apple Store for evaluation. Regards, Mike. Yeah, Rob, this is Jeremy here in Wichita, Kansas. The guy that was having the problem with his iPad, I had a similar problem with my, uh, I got a new iMac for Christmas, and I plugged in my uh, iPhone 6, and it did something similar, except I did not get the, the little notification on the screen, but it sat there and kept chiming and chiming and chiming. Come to find out it was an aftermarket cord that was causing my problem, so I used the main cord and that seemed to fix it. Gentlemen, thanks for your feedback, and thanks to others that sent in pretty much the same feedback, which looks to be, if you're having that issue with your device not syncing to your Mac, First thing to look at is the cord you're using. First, make sure it's not a third-party cord. Second, make sure the cord isn't damaged in some way. Third, if that doesn't seem to work, get a shorter cord officially from Apple. And if that doesn't work, then bring the whole setup to your Apple Store. Switching gears, we are now over 1,900 members in our Google Plus community and growing. Thanks to everyone that has joined, and thanks for the great posts. 
One new post in the Google Plus community that went up since the last episode came out was from Jonathan Perry, who asked, quote, I'm writing to ask you all for recommendations of quality widgets for iOS. I frequently do a Google search in the hopes that I'll find a new article citing a cool new widget that just has been released, but they all just talk about how great the Evernote and Yahoo and weather widgets are. So can any of you guys suggest a lesser known widget or two that you love using? Unquote. And there were a few replies on this. Tosin O responded with a very large list of 26 different widgets, of which you can see in this post from February 12th in the Google Plus community. I will not go through them all here. Barry Smitherman asked if I could go through a quick primer on widgets in general on the next episode, which I'll do right now. First, iOS widgets came to be in iOS 8 and are part of extensibility. Within the Today View extensions, any app can make a widget available that not only presents some info, but also offers a small amount of interaction right in the notification center. Per the interaction, it is very limited. For example, you cannot use a keyboard, but it can give you some options to choose from where you can do a task right there, or in many cases, it'll open up that main app. Remember, widgets are not standalone items you download. They are part of an app that you download that supports widgets. You probably have a few apps installed already that support widgets that you don't know about, like Evernote. Go and swipe down on your iOS device, then select today. Then scroll down and look for the big edit button and tap on that. It'll show you a list of your widgets and it'll allow you to rearrange your widgets and which order they're in or exclude. Plus also show a plus symbol next to the ones you can add. The one uh, I use often is Evernote. When I swipe down, select the camera, and then you can scan a business card. It does launch the app, so it's not done in the notification center. And this is a premium offering from Evernote. Just want to point that out as well. But overall, I think the biggest confusion people have about widgets is that they think they are standalone items that you install. Like there's a widget section of iTunes. When really, they are extensions of apps you have or need to get and then uh, add or enable them in the Today section of the Notification Center. Again, to see some apps that have extensions, Tosino had a nice list for the February 12th post from Jonathan Perry in the Google Plus community. Go to todayinios.com slash community to check that out. And since the last episode, there were also dozens and dozens of other new posts in the TII Google Plus community, which is an Android fanboys free zone and spammer free zone. Yep, it is the most civil Google Plus community covering iOS. Folks, go to todayinios.com slash community to join in. And thanks to all 1,900 plus of you already in the community and contributing. As a bonus, here is a tip that was posted in the Google Plus community. How to fix issues with regular text messages over LTE on your iPhone 6 or 6 Plus. Launch the settings app on your iPhone. Tap on cellular. Tap on enable LTE. Tap on data only. Then reboot your iPhone. That's it. Regards from Chris in London. Thanks always, Chris, for your posts up on the Google Plus community and for things you sent into the show for many, many, many years now. For the How Wrong Were They segment of episode 334, I said the following, quote, I don't think any of these people realize that Apple is the only one making money, 85% of the profits for the entire cell phone industry, unquote. Well, new numbers are out for last quarter, and I was wrong. Apple is not making 85% of the profits for the entire cell phone industry. They're making 93% of the profits. This according to Mike Walkley of Canaccord Genuity. Last quarter, Sammy's profits were 9% of the pie, which added up to over 100% for the two, which means, yes, everyone else combined lost money. And no one is better at losing money in the mobile space than Microsoft, who, Mr. Walkley estimated, lost close to 400, over $400 million last quarter alone, giving it an industry-leading minus 2% share of profits. For all of 2014, Apple only represented 15.5% of the total number of smartphones sold, yet 
For Apple, they had 79% of the total profits in 2014. Mr. Walkley also estimated that by the end of 2018, Apple will have around 650 million active iPhone users. It's a lot of potential listeners to Today in iOS. Thanks to Michael for this next one, which rolls in well with that last story, and it has to do with how much Apple is now worth. Seems you can only keep good fundamentals down for so long. And now that the street is listening again, Apple's value has taken off. Apple recently became the first company with a market cap over $700 billion. They're now sitting at $740 billion. To put Apple's market cap in perspective, it is now larger than the gross national product of Switzerland, or the entire Spanish stock market, or four Apollo space programs, or 20 times the value of the NFL, or most importantly, Google and Microsoft's market cap combined, which is amazing when you think what I said just a little over a year ago on episode 295. Let me re-say that. Quote, this again, this is from episode 295. This was the end of January 2014. Quote, Apple's market cap minus cash is $209.9 billion, just a little above last year's $174 billion in total revenue. Microsoft, which had less than half of Apple's revenue at $82.8 billion, has a market cap less cash of $222.1 billion. And finally, Google, with revenue in all of 2013 of $59.8 billion, has a market cap less cash of $336.3 billion. Yes, Google, which has a third of the revenue of Apple, has a market cap less cash 1.6 times that of Apple's. Can you spot the bubble? Because either Google is way, way, way overvalued or Apple is way, way, way undervalued right now. And my guess is it's a mix of the two. Apple generated over $22 billion in cash to Google's $16 billion in change in revenue. So right now, if you look at Apple stock price and compare it to the other companies, Apple really is a bargain, unquote. Well, I hope you listened and purchased some Apple stock back then. At the time, Apple stock was sitting at $71 a share, which means since that episode, less than 13 months ago, Apple stock went up 75%, again, not bad for less than 13 months. If you did listen and invested just $6,700, you would now have made enough profit to buy a top-of-the-line MacBook Pro, top-of-the-line iPad Air 2, top-of-the-line iPhone 6 Plus off-contract, and still have some left over for an Apple TV and a cup of Starbucks coffee, just not the venti. Thanks to Robin P. for the heads up on this next one, which talks about a rumor for a February 24th Apple event that would mostly be to fill in folks about the details of the Apple Watch. But so far, nothing to support that. Big questions still remain about pricing of the Apple Watch models. About all we know is the base sports model price will be $350, and it goes up from there. How far up is one thing that said event would answer, with many speculating the top end being around $5,000 or more. Specifics on battery life are the other big question mark. Some reports say it'll be as low as two and a half hours for full use. Others put it at four or more hours of full use. In addition to filling in the blanks on pricing and specs, there will be questions about availability not just in the U.S., but globally, and also details on third-party apps. Other speculation about the event, or rumors about said event, which is rumors about a rumored event, is that Apple Watch would not be the only part of the event, and with other parts being around Beats streaming music service, and also about a new MacBook Air, and possibly even the mythical iPad lunch tray, or iPad Maxi. If there is going to be a February 24th event, Invites need to be going out later today, with today being February 17th. That all said, if there is a new event coming, I think the invites will actually be going out around the 24th of February for that event, and the actual event would be Tuesday the 3rd of March or Wednesday the 4th of March. Why those two dates, you ask? Good question. Well, that would put it right in the middle of Mobile World Congress, which runs the 2nd to the 5th of March. And Apple has a history of curious timing of their announcements to line up with these type of events, thus pulling the wind or deflating the wind out, pulling the wind out of the sails, I guess what the phrase is, for all those competitors that hope to get some press momentum from said events. 
So let's call this possible event the March Madness event. Because, well, everyone at Mobile World Congress will be mad at Apple for once again stealing their thunder or taking the wind out of their sails. And one rumor that popped up in our Google Plus community was from Brendan F., who wrote, quote, I heard from my buddy who attended the Apple Watch training that the Apple Watch Sport Edition will only work with the rubber band and not be compatible with the metal and leather bands. This kind of disappoints me as I was hoping to go cheaper on the Gen 1 and still have a formal option metal band during the day. Unquote. Brendan, I agree with you. If this is true, that disappoints me as well. Would have been nice to have the option for a different band as switching the bands was one thing that looked kind of cool about the Apple Watch. Hopefully that is addressed at the March Madness event. One thing I did not mention and was not mentioned in the latest rumors is the long overdue refresh for the Apple TV. And according to often wrong Gene Munster, we are not going to see said update until this fall. Which right there leads me to believe the next update to the Apple TV will be announced at the March Madness event this year. Right. So what will the Apple TV 4th Gen have? Well, according to Off and Wrong Gene, the device would potentially integrate content, gaming, and HomeKit. Yeah. Again, if Gene is saying not until the fall, we can pretty much cancel out the fall. And given it is now over two years since the last update, yeah, I could see a 4th Gen Apple TV getting announced at the next Apple event. Of course, I say that about every next Apple event. Wah, wah, wah. Speaking of Apple rumors, we're starting to see those come in now about iOS 9, since it is being reported as showing up on server logs. And the latest rumor, if true, I would be glad to see, as it's exactly what I was calling for a few episodes ago. And that is to make iOS 9 all about optimization of, I, of the iOS. Not about feature creep or gimmicks, just make the OS work better. From an article at 9to5Mac, we have this, quote, For 2015, iOS 9, which is codenamed Monarch, is going to include a collection of under-the-hood improvements. Sources tell us that iOS 9 engineers are putting a huge focus on fixing bugs, maintaining stability, and boosting performance for the new operating system, rather than solely focus on delivering major new additions. Unquote. When we live in this next big feature thing world, saying the next big thing is bug fixes and speed improvements, it's not all that sexy. It is, at least to me though, my number one wish for iOS 9, I'm sure even if that is just the main focus there, there'll still be other real show them on a keynote slide presentation type features as well. I just hope the one big bold one at the center of that slide is optimization. I guess the next thing I hope for for iOS 9 is that it also works for devices running the A6 and even the A5 processor, i.e. 32-bit processors, and it's not just for those that are running the 64-bit processor, which are the A7 and later processors. More on this in future episodes for sure. All those rumors aside, the big rumor from the past week is about the top-secret project codenamed Titan, which, according to sources, is an Apple electric vehicle to compete with Tesla and other electric vehicles. This, per an article in the Wall Street Journal, and also one in the Financial Times, and a third one from Reuters. And with the big guys reporting on this, you can see why it had legs. Supposedly, Apple already has a couple hundred employees working on this project, and quote, Apple has authorized the creation of a 1,000-person team, unquote. Hmm, I wonder if my summer internship at GM Inland back in the summer of 1987 would qualify me for this new 1,000-person team. Eh, probably not. The current team is already supposedly working at a private facility just a few miles from Apple's One Infinite Loop campus. But then again, aren't all Apple facilities private? It is known that Apple has been hiring people from the auto industry. Others say that the thought of Apple bringing its own car to the market are bunk. And rather, the team is being assembled has more to do with Apple developing more software in the car with car being plural and meaning all cars. Think of it where Apple takes CarPlay and puts it on steroids. Although the Reuters piece does add that it's not just about an electric car. 
It's about an autonomous electric car. One thing I think that leads a lot of believability to this rumor is that often wrong Gene Munster does not think it will happen. Not for me. Done deal. Apple's making an electric car. Okay, well, maybe not. Here is what Gene had to say in a note to investors. And why do investors listen to him? Quote, while we believe Apple can do both a TV and a car, it seems far more likely that we get a TV from Apple in the next five years than a car, unquote. Okay, so Gene did not say no car ever, just no car in the next five years, which means either we see an electric car from Apple in the next five years or we never see one. Actually, here is a quote on all these Apple car rumors that I thought was worth sharing. It is from Jean-Louis Gass, a former Apple executive whose last name I just absolutely mutilated. He said, quote, Apple's life today is relatively simple. It sells small devices that are easily transported back to the point of sale for service if needed. No brake lines to flush, no heavy and expensive batteries and cooling systems, no overseeing the installation and maintenance of home and public chargers, and consider the trouble Tesla faces with entrenched auto dealers who oppose Tesla selling cars directly in some states. Apple doesn't need these headaches. Unquote. Good points, JL. But here's the deal. All these car rumors lead to more and more rumors and speculation. This time there was an article from Jason Calacanis who pines that he thinks when it comes to electric cars and Apple, yes, it's coming, but not by Apple developing its own, but rather by Apple opening up its cash hoard and buying Tesla and doing so in the next 18 months. And nope, that is not the first time we've heard this rumor of Apple acquiring Tesla. Here's a quote from an episode of TII exactly one year ago. Quote, it was speculated that Apple was talking with Tesla to get iOS device integration into the cars, but now it looks like the talks might have been a cover for Apple to talk with Tesla about buying Tesla over a year ago. Now, this is not likely to ever happen, as Tesla's market cap today is over five times where it was a year ago. Right now, it is around $25 billion. Back then, it was around $4.5 billion. And really, if you look at Apple's history, there was probably very little chance of it happening a year ago as Apple never made an acquisition over a billion dollars. So going for one that at that time would have likely cost them six to seven billion once they put in the premium, it just doesn't seem likely it would have happened. That all said, darn, I really, really, really would have loved to see Tesla pulled under the Apple umbrella. Now Google will likely buy them given that whole driverless car thing. It just seems to make sense, unquote. Again, that was from a year ago. So when I was talking about a year ago's market cap, that meant two years ago. Anyway, since that episode, we have seen Apple spend $3 billion for a maker of headphones. Think about that. Wow, Apple really should have pulled the trigger a couple of years ago. If a base-heavy headphones are worth $3 billion, then the top-of-the-line electric vehicle, easily worth 6 to $7 billion. Oops. Talk about mistake by inaction. I am guessing we will report about Apple buying Tesla rumors again in the near future, and then again after that, and then again after that, and so on, and so on, and so on. According to Alcatel-Lucent, in 2014, 16 million mobile devices were hit by malware. And by hit, we mean we're infected. And by mobile devices, we or they mean Android. This report comes from the Security Labs division, which found malware on devices increased 25% in 2014, which meant, and I kid you not, you now have an equal number of Android devices that are infected with malware as you do Windows PCs. Yes, Android and Windows PCs are now running neck and neck for viral infections, according to this report. Nice! And this is one key reason why most of us stick with iOS. The report said less than 1% of the infections came from iPhone and BlackBerry smartphones combined. Yeah, Android, go team! And thanks to all that sent in links to that article. Think about that. Android is now as infectious as Windows. Hi, Rob. My name is Alex, uh, and I live in Walnut Creek, California. And I have a suggestion for the uh, listener that was asking about uh, printing from an iOS device to a non-AirPrint compatible printer. I use a piece of software works on Windows. I'm not sure about other operating systems. It's called Fingerprint. 
I think it's about $20, and it allows you to print to any printer configured on your computer. Also, it allows you to open the documents on the computer, and uh, I think it allows you to print to other destinations as, as well, other, other options. It's been working great. I'm very happy with it. Check it out. I think they might even have a trial version that you can take for a spin. Well, keep up the good work, Rob. Always looking forward to the next show. Bye-bye. Hey, Rob, it's uh, Roy from West Michigan. Hey, you had a caller on your last show asking about printing wirelessly from his iOS device to an Epson printer. And I think you suggested getting, I think it's the Lantronics box or some type of a, some type of hardware. Uh, I got to totally disagree with you, man. Um, I think that that's a good device, but I think it's overkill for just uh, printing from one device to a printer because that's how it sounds like he wants to do. I'd go with Printopia. Um, I've used that app myself previously, and it works flawlessly. It's inexpensive, and you can do multiple devices if you want. But also Epson has, I don't know, I don't know if he's aware, but Epson has a utility that you can install on your phone or your iPad. And to my recollection, that utility will allow him to print to his Epson printer even if it's not AirPrint capable. I could be wrong, but I think I remember it being that way. But anyways, I wouldn't go buy him more hardware. I would do this. This sounds like a software solution, and I would look at uh, Google. There's other options, too. But uh, Printopia uh, worked really well for me. Thanks, Rob. Talk to you soon. Bye. Let me tell you why I recommended the hardware, the electronics uh, device that I recommended it doesn't require you to have a computer. A lot of these other solutions, like the one that was mentioned, Fingerprint, requires you to have a computer that's open and active, and you have a printer that's network capable. The Lentronics device, however, you can use any USB printer. doesn't have to be a network printer, and doesn't have to have a computer open and running. So this turns any USB printer into an AirPrint printer, and then you can just print directly from your device, and you don't need any special software, and... That's the beauty of the solution that I recommended. It's the easiest solution. And again, it doesn't require you to have a computer that's open and running and active with some software on that computer running active to get that printer to be able to print to, which again is not a good solution for me in this house. If I want to have something running where my wife can print to, the perfect example is we have it, we have it set up and it's printing to uh, the Epson printer that is just for photos. So my wife likes to print photos. And if I had to connect that to the computer, then I have to have my computer on all the time. And if I leave, go on a business trip for a week or so, my wife can't print anything and she gets frustrated. This just gives you a box that sits there, printer's plugged in, as long as the printer's turned on, she can print to it from her iPad or her iPhone. It's really simple, it's really easy to use. That said, there are some more answers to the solution that don't require the printer, but again, many of these solutions do require you have a computer on. So here, let's hear a couple more of the answers. Hello, this is Kevin. I was calling about the person listening, concerned about printing through AirPrint to a non-AirPrint printer. I have used for a lot of years an app called ePrint. It's by Microtech of Japan, uh, but it is a U.S. store app called ePrint. It works great. I have just recently, in the last few months, also started using another app called Hammer Mill. It's by the paper manufacturer, and it has supplanted ePrint for most of my stuff. However, there are special settings in ePrint that make it very useful, and you should check it out. Both of them are able to do print from web, print from email, print from your photo library, and even copy and paste your notes into the app directly and print that kind of stuff also, and PDFs. So I really like Hammer Mill and ePrint as my two go-to printing apps, and I also have the Epson Workforce printer, and it does great with it. Thanks, and have a great day. Rob, hello. This is Kevin. I was... Uh, calling you about the printing apps, and I realized I forgot the most important piece of information. Both of the apps, ePrint and Hammer Mill, are free. 
to the email bag on this. Hi, Rob. In episode 337, a caller named Mike asked about an Epson Workforce 650 printer. Heads up. Said it was not a compatible printer with AirPrint. I wanted to let you know that it is compatible with AirPrint as I have the same printer and use it all the time to print from my iPhone and iPad. You have to make sure you connect the printer to your Wi-Fi network first. Then it will show up on your iOS device as an available printer. Hope this helps. Regards, Ernie. Well, thank you, Ernie, for that feedback. Hey, Rob. This is Chuck from Minnesota. I was listening to episode 337, and someone asked about suggestions for printing from an iPhone or iPad. I use a program called Printer Pro from Readle or Readle software, R-E-A-D-D-L-E. And it just costs a few dollars, but it works really well. I got an old printer, and I installed a piece of the free software on my PC that, that receives the data and sends it to my printer. And uh, so I'm able, able to print to that printer from my iPhone or iPad. Hope that helps. Thanks for your shows. And one more piece of feedback on this. Hi, Rob. To the caller who asked about printing to a non-AirPlay printer, I have another solution. I use Riedel's Printer Pro app to print to printers at work because they are on a different subnet than the wireless router and AirPlay doesn't work. If you install the companion app, you can print through it to it through any printer that you have defined on your Windows or Mac computer, even if the computer is on a different subnet than your wireless network. There's a free test app to make sure it works. Regards, Myron Yu. Thanks again to all that sent in feedback on this one, and hopefully one of these pieces of solution or recommendations will be the solution that the caller needed from app 337. I think it was last episode, maybe the episode before, or the one before that. These things kind of all morphed together on me. Where we there was some talk about backpacks and other bags for iPads and iOS devices. Well, there is yet another bag project on Kickstarter. This one involves leather and canvas, so very earthy feeling. They hit their goal, $10,000. So if you sponsor this one, you'll get it, or at least they'll get your money. And they've raised $14,000 already. And you have until March 9th at 4 p.m. Central Time to fund this one. The project title is Canvas and Leather Bags, Backpacks, Wallets, iPad Case. And you can find it at kickstarter.com and a link to it in the show notes for episode 338 over at todayinios.com. Prices range from $40 for the wallet case to $290 for the 1912 briefcase for a 15-inch laptop bag. Didn't know they had laptops in 1912. They are very cool looking. And if you're looking for something different for yourself or for a significant other, these are pretty nice ones. So you might want to check this out. Again, look for the link in the show notes. Eh, Probably one of my worst Kickstarter reads to date. Thanks to Dr. John for this next one, which is news that the U.S. carriers are making it somewhat easier to unlock your iPhones. Seven U.S. carriers, which include AT&T, Bluegrass, Cellcom, Sprint, T-Mobile, U.S. Cellular, and Verizon are now honoring a voluntary code of conduct, which includes as part of the code allowing users to get their phones unlocked without a big fight. This, of course, is only after you have honored your agreement and terms of service. Oh, and this does not mean that you can take a CDMA-only phone into a GSM carrier. Technical rules still apply, obviously. And it looks like Sprint will not be unlocking for domestic use phone models released before February 11th. Point is this. If you have a phone that you honored your side of the agreement on with your carrier, you should now, in most cases, be able to get said phone unlocked to take overseas or to another carrier. And the carriers are supposed to be giving you less hoops that are on fire and spinning for you to jump through. But really... Did it need to take this long for carriers to do what clearly is the right thing? It is sad that a press release is required for common decency. But alas, I guess this is progress when dealing with telecom companies. Hi Rob, it's Shannon in Fountain Hills. I just finished listening to uh, TII item 337. I've got a quick little concern here that I just noticed today. I think Siri has Alzheimer's. 
I always beckon Siri and tell her to call my wife. I have my wife's phone number in my phone as just my wife, and then she says, calling my wife, and all is happy, and then I also tell her to call my brother, and then she says, calling Donnie, and then, you know, Donnie hold on my brother's last name, and everything works fine. However, today, I said, call my brother. She said, I don't know your brother's name, so I had to tell her, like I like she had to relearn it again, and I'm just curious if anybody else has experienced this. I haven't made any changes. I haven't done any backups recently. I know that I've moved ringers occasionally in the past and then had custom ringers disappear, but I've never had that instant happen. So uh, I also do know that even with the latest OS update that came out a couple days ago that I'm still having a few problems with Spotlight. So I know there's still some bugs, but that's something I'd never experienced. So I thought I would uh, call and see if anybody else has experienced that before. I, I told her who my brother was and she relearned it and I tried it afterward. And of course it worked perfectly. So no, nothing major, but I was just curious. Thanks for everything, Rob. Take care. Shannon, thanks for the voicemail message. And so far, you're the only one that I know that's having this issue. I didn't get any other emails or voicemails about a similar issue, but maybe after this episode, I will. So folks, if you out there have had this similar issue where Siri forgot who your mother, father, wife, brother, sister, somebody that you would usually call by, you know, kind of a, a title, and they forgot who that, or Siri's forgotten who that is, let us know, 206-666-6364. That's 206-MOON-DOG. Or send an email to todayinios at gmail.com. Let us know when that happened, if it happened again after you fixed the titles, and uh, if you know a solution or why it happened, let us know. Little heads up, on an app mentioned on a previous episode that is free for a limited time, and that app is View EXIF. This is an app that lets you view the EXIF data for the photos you take right on your iOS device. View EXIF, one word. Search for it in the App Store or in the show notes for episode 338 at todayinios.com. It's, again, something we've mentioned in the past. And in the past, it's always been a for sale app. So it's nice to see it free for a short period of time. Get it while you can still get it. Back to the email bag. Hi, Rob. In response to a listener who said, Messenger locked up. I've had the same issue since iOS 8 was released at least once a day, regards Dan B. Hi, Rob. If my wife and I want to use iTunes Match, will we have to pay $25 times two? We have separate Apple IDs. I'm afraid we will, uh, with the separate IDs, regards Mike R. No, Mike. Now you and your wife can connect each other one time to be a family. So you need to go and that was talked about in previous episodes. Uh, but if you go and search how to combine or Google how to combine iTunes accounts uh, for a family, you will find how to connect your Apple iTunes account and your wife's together. And you can do that one time in a year. Hi, Rob. I got a couple of different cards from the same bank. Since the graphics for each card are the same on the phone, despite the cards physically having a different look, is it possible to add a nickname to the cards, personal, business, etc., to quickly identify which card I wish to use at checkout? Can't seem to find the add option anywhere. Regards, Andy. If anyone has an answer for Andy that's using multiple cards and basically had the same cards from the same bank, but like say you have a personal and business one, and you found a way to easily change the look so that they you can tell which one's which, let us know, 206-666-6364, that's 206-MOON-DOG, or send an email to todayinios at gmail.com. Hi, Rob. I heard your comment about the, your being a constraint on uh, all the uh, Apple Watch coming out. I think that's a purposeful constraint because this is an unknown quantity to Apple, and they really would like to see how it is re received by the public uh, initially especially after the first, uh, what I call, Hell Week uh, is over, where everybody's playing with the Apple Watch and totally deadening the battery, and uh, maybe it'll take a couple weeks before people start using it in a, uh, how would you say it, uh, practical manner, uh, per se, and see if complaints diminish about it. I suspect that it's going to be a complaint item when uh, they uh, run the battery out fairly quickly because of overuse. Anyhow, I think they will probably want to pause for a little bit uh, once they go and actually uh, 
submit this to the public and see just how things go before they start cranking them out and, and end up uh, getting stuck with a whole bunch of them. Otherwise, uh, you know, this will prevent that from happening. Uh, this is Ron Leckford in Hubbard, Ohio. Take care, Bob. Bye-bye. And you did a great show. Thanks. Ron, thanks for the feedback. Yeah, I agree with you. And it's going to be interesting. It'll be very, very interesting to see how supply constrained and how long that supply is constrained. But I agree, there's such a big unknown about battery life and actual real-world usage battery life on this device that even after Apple has their special March Madness announcement and talks about what the real use is, it's still people are going to be holding off to see, and, and Apple knows that. So, uh, yeah, it's going to be constrained, and it's going to be a while. If you really want one, you don't get one right away. I have a feeling it, it it's going to be middle of summer or so before we see, start seeing equilibrium between supply and demand, and that's assuming that people actually have a demand for the device. Thanks to Michael for this next one, which is Apple Pay related. It seems the U.S. government will begin accepting Apple Pay later this year. This according to Tim Cook at the White House's Summit on Cybersecurity and Consumer Protection event held at Stanford University. Beginning in September, certain government transactions like admission to national parks will start to accept Apple Pay. Cook also said in the future... He was hopeful that leading bank and networks would use Apple Pay technology with benefit programs like Social Security and veteran pensions. Cook also said, quote, we believe we can bring about a future that fully embraces both privacy and security. We must get this right, unquote. And a fact sheet on cybersecurity initiatives from the White House said, quote, Apple, Visa, MasterCard, Commercia Bank, and U.S. Bank are committed to working together to make Apple Pay a tokenized encrypted service available for users of federal payment cards, including Direct Express and GSA Smart Pay cards, unquote. So it seems Apple Pay is going beyond just McDonald's and Walgreens. And speaking of Apple Pay going beyond McDonald's and Walgreens, it'll also be going above McDonald's and Walgreens, as in 35,000 feet above, Thanks to Dr. John and a few others for this next one, which is about Apple Pay and JetBlue, as JetBlue will start taking Apple Pay on flights. So now if you want that $3 tiny little vodka bottle, you don't have to undo your seatbelt and pull out your wallet. You can just use your iPhone to pay for said tiny bottle of booze, or a snack box, or even to upgrade to better seating. This support is set to start right about now for New York to L.A. and New York to San Francisco flights and then roll out to all flights by June. To roll this out, JetBlue will issue iPad minis and NFC-enabled cases to more than 3,500 airline flight attendants, which goes along with the iPads all the pilots were given back in 2013. So now they can go ahead and IM themselves during flights. Not, Not that that would happen. We mentioned TUAW was closed or merged into other properties at AOL, and some writers had left to start their own thing. Well, said own thing is AppleWorld.today, and from now on, we're going to just refer to it as AWT. Steve Sandy, part of TUAW since 2008, Dave Caiola, uh, part of TUAW since 2005, and Kelly Hodgkins, who was written for TUAW, Mac Rumors, and Into Mobile, are part of the AWT team. Anyway, if you are missing TUAW from your blog feed, you can add in the AWT RSS feed in its place. To the email bag. Hi, Rob. Just wondering if there's a way to save my iPhoto library on an external hard drive, much like I do with iTunes. Regards, Enrique from Manila, Philippines. One solution is the iStick. And you go ahead and purchase the iStick, and then you download the app, and then you can take your photos, and then you can transfer it to the iStick, which you can connect to your iOS device. So check out iStick, Google it, or go and look for the iStick app in the iTunes App Store. Again, you do have to buy the device, but hey, it's one way to get your photo library onto an external, well, in this case, it's not really a hard drive, it's an a external flash drive. Rob, name's Ken Fulmar. Give me a call back. It's about, let's see, is it almost 7? Friday, 13th, I'm being hacked on a 4, on a 5S. 
my six just died. I need to get the podcast or something. Please call me back. Hey, Rob. Um, you probably have my caller ID, and I want you to find and attack me, all right? Kenback.com, 5304, or I get the six and the battery charged. Folks, a little advice here. If you call into the voicemail, I, I really only listen to the voicemail messages one day uh, during the week, right, when I'm starting to prep the show. As they come in, I just move them to a folder, and I don't really listen to them until usually a day or two before I record. So don't leave messages on voicemail if you're expecting me to call back. But I will email back as much as I possible. So if you have a question, you need a response from me, email me. I do check the email more often, today in iOS at gmail.com, and I'll do my best to reply back. But I, I have no idea what you're talking about there. Ken, please email me if you have some further information. But I have no idea how someone's hacking you or how to even track that down. Folks, I, I've had other people do this in the past where they'll call me and say, I need an urgent reply, reply. And I don't hear it for a week, sometimes two weeks later, depending on, on the production schedule and how many voicemail messages came in. So please don't leave urgent messages on the voicemail. Anything left on the voicemail is meant for the show. If you have something you want me to reply back during the week, leave it via email, and, and hopefully I'll check it. But I usually don't even check uh, emails the couple days after a show is released because I'm then catching up with everything else in my life that got put behind. Like tomorrow morning when I'm actually going to shower and shave, which I didn't do today because of today's show schedule. And speaking of that, thanks again to Harry's for sponsoring this episode. And please go to harrys.com now and save $5 off when you enter the code T-I-I with your first purchase. That's H-A-R-R-Y-S dot com and enter the coupon code T-I-I at checkout to save $5 off your first purchase and start shaving better today or, well, at least as soon as your new shave kit arrives at your doorstep. And before we go today, I want to remind you to send in your feedback to the show. 206-666-6364, that's 206 Moon Dog. Or record your feedback and email it to the show at todayinios at gmail.com. Feedback can be a question or comment per something someone said on this episode, or it can be a question or rant you have about something else, an app or product review, good or bad. As long as it is iOS related, it is welcomed. I am always looking for new artwork to feature in, that you've created on an iOS device, or as in the case of today's artwork, someone created for an iOS related device. Just put some TII branding on it and send it in. And of course, we are always looking for more music created on an iOS device to play on this show. It's your show and your feedback is greatly desired. And don't forget to check out the moderated Google Plus community by going to todayinios.com slash community. I will be at NRB show in Nashville. That's a National Religious Broadcaster show. February 24th to the 26th. If you are attending, please look me up. I will be at the Lipson Pro booth, booth 756. Always nice to see our listeners meet you guys face to face. And hey, we have chocolates at the booth, or at least we will when I go and buy them this weekend. Again, that is booth 756 at NRB at the end of February. And you can see the uh, Today in iOS watch face on my Pebble watch now. And finally, there is the TII app. Just had an update, which is now free to you. Search for TII in the iTunes App Store. It is the best way to consume the show and to get push notifications each time a new episode of TII is released. Please go right now and download the TII app. Did I mention it is free? And that, folks, is going to do it for us today. Until the next time, I'm your host, Rob, from Today in iOS, reminding you to phone different. This show is hosted on Libsyn.com and part of the Wizard Media Network. If you are looking for hosting, go to Libsyn.com, that's L-I-B-S-Y-N.com, for hosting for your podcast and for creation of your own smartphone app. The Today in iOS podcast can also be found on the free Stitcher radio app. Just search for T-I-I.